It's time to put down the pen and paper and retire those spreadsheets. It's time to upgrade with Tree Plotter Jobs, a straightforward estimating, scheduling, and work order software built for small and mid-sized tree care companies. Tree Plotter Jobs is based on maps. Think Google Maps with all of the information you need connected to a real world location. You can impress potential clients with interactive maps in your estimates and ensure your crews always know exactly where and what to work on. A job subscription is only $95 a month and supports unlimited users. So to learn more about jobs, go to planetgeo.com. That's P-L-A-N-I-T-G-E-O.com. You can also test it out for yourself with a free two-month trial. Just enter the promo code JOBS60 at checkout. Are you interested in making a difference in the tree care industry? TCIA is currently seeking candidates for the at-large director positions on its board of directors for a term running from 2023 to 2026. The TCIA Board of Directors is responsible for making strategic decisions that help point the organization in the correct direction to better serve our members and the industry as a whole. We are currently looking for both active and corporate members this year, but beyond that, we're also looking for those aligned with the board's core values and who have a passion for advancing tree care businesses. All candidate applications must be completed and received by May 23rd, 2022 to be considered by the TCIA Nominations Committee. For more information or to apply, please visit elections.tcia.org. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Bob Longo here, uh, Manager Member Engagement for the South Region with TCIA. Um, and today we have a great, I don't know what I'm doing here. No, okay. Just, just, just cut just, that part out. Just, yeah, <laughs> just try again. Introduce out. yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. Hi, I'm Carolina Paredes. I am a life coach and a trainer and nutrition and health coach. And I basically just help people figure out ways to move and ways to eat and ways to be that are sustainable for them that will help them be happier and healthier overall. I'm also <laughs> co-owner with my husband of Beast Coast Tree Climbers LLC. And um, that's what I do. But no, thank you. But one of the questions I like to ask people because it's just an interesting way is how exactly did you get started in the tree care industry? That's a beautiful question because I, um, I met this man, we were friends and then we actually started dating and he was so incredibly passionate about what he did. And it was, he was a climber. He was a professional climber, an arborist at that time, but not on paper yet. <laughs> he became later. And we were dating and he, one day he just said, hey, do you want to come to a tree job with me? And I was like, sure, why not? And we did, and it was fun and it was hard. <laughs> It was really physically demanding, but it was really fun. And that was pretty much the beginning. That was about five years ago or maybe a little bit more. And that's how it started. Then we started doing jobs together, like maybe once a week or so, a few times a month. And then the pandemic happened, the great pause. And um, at the time I was working pretty much full-time as a coach at the Y. 
and as a trainer and everything just stopped for me and I didn't know what to do I was a single parent at the time also and I just said hey Almond can I work with you because I've got nothing and he was like yeah come on let's just do this and so I worked with him and with our friend Craig Stepp from Craig's tree service here and I basically worked full-time doing tree work and that I, I can't express to you how grateful and thankful I am to the industry because it, it saved me at a time where I lost everything. I didn't have anything at that point as far, as far as income coming in, you know, that was incredible. And that's really, that's, that's the story. That's how I got started. Yeah. That's, I mean, just what a way to get into it. Right. Kind of <laughs> yeah. it's in the grand scheme of things, it's a good thing that you end up, you know, enjoying the industry and feeling welcome, but uh, career change in the middle of the pandemic out of necessity must have been a really uh, tough situation. And as somebody who is a life coach and a trainer and all that stuff, you must really be more in tune when it comes to, hey, it's not just a tough physical change, but it's a tough mental change. Uh, you know, Bob, you had also brought up that changing careers is really what led to you being in a better place. Um, I think a lot of the time in the tree care industry, we get hung up on the physical aspect of it Mm -hmm. in the mobility, Mm -hmm. the flexibility, uh, the longevity of the body. Um, Yeah. But I think that sometimes we actually just neglect ourselves as people. Uh, This is a very demanding industry on all sides of it for owner operators, for climbers, for office staff and the pandemic was, I mean, a boom for many of these businesses, right? Like a lot of companies were seeing more businesses than they could even keep up with. Yeah. But also that meant the employees of these companies were working more than probably they were used to or could keep up with. So um, yeah, one of the things I want to bring up is like self-care, right? And maybe something beyond the actual the physical side of things, right? The, right. the self-care, the, the mental side of things. What kind of things, when you were transitioning into the tree care industry, did you have to focus on for your own self-care so you wouldn't let it overwhelm you? Well, there were a lot. Um, and, and actually, there is a lot of physicality to it. We kind of think they're separate, mental and emotional, from the body. But we really are having biological reactions, if that makes sense. So our bodies are doing stuff when we are under high levels of stress, uh, when we're experiencing anxiety, depression, all of those things, our bodies are having a reaction, a response. So um, part of what I did was rest, which is something that I think we are getting better at after the pandemic because I think before the pandemic, we were, it was a lot easier and even encouraged to just say, just, you know, just do it. Uh, You have a headache. You haven't slept all night. That's fine. Just go to work and get it done. But now we're kind of stepping back a little bit and saying, you know, that's probably not the best thing. It's going to weaken my immune system. You know, I think people are more open to self-care now because of the pandemic. They're beginning to see that it's actually really good to take care of yourself and make sure that your immune system is strong and that it's healthy. So that's one of the things that I did do because I was working some days, seven days a week because we got hit with a pretty bad storm at one point and there were trees on houses like there was no tomorrow. And so 
I did what I could, but I had to rest because I'm also a mom and I have to sleep. So that was one of the things that I knew I've got to sleep. I have to rest. And then the other thing that may sound pretty silly was electrolytes. <laughs> right. At springtime about, you know, when the pandemic, when everything just happened, it was March and it led into the summer. And I realized, oh my gosh, you know, water is not enough. I'd never done this sort of thing. I'm not a marathon runner or anything, but that's really what it equals to when you're out there in the elements and it's so hot electrolytes. So that was another form of self-care for me because I wasn't, even though I'm a trainer, you would think, oh, well, she's a trainer. She's a nutrition coach. She should know better. But I had never been in that situation where I was physically working for eight, sometimes 10, 13 hours, right? So that was huge for me because I was like, oh my God, we need more than water here. So that was another form of self-care for me. So I wouldn't feel horrible for the rest of the few days after that. So it is physical. I'm, I'm really yeah. glad that you, that you mentioned uh, the importance of electrolytes, honestly, because that's, I mean, I can go back uh, 10 years and tell you from 15 years, even from, you know, tree care and logging to the, the military to you know workout culture crossfit gyms and everything and every i think a lot of folks come to that realization at some point um, <laughs> yeah. um you know because the first thing always is you might just start feeling a little bit off uh when when you're when you're working hard or working out or anything like that um high activity um and your first thought is going to be i need to hydrate i need more water Okay. Well, yeah, definitely. Sometimes you need to add a little more to that. So, um, and then, you know, also what you mentioned about, uh, mental health, uh, you know, all the factors going through the pandemic and everything. Um, I, I, I think so much has changed, uh, in the world in the last two years in ways that we don't see, because if you look at, you know, two years in, the number of people who have come out and have completely changed their lives. It seems like if you go on Instagram, it seems like everybody's living in a conversion van now and touring the country <laughs> constantly, or, you know, everybody has a new hobby now, the, whether it's hiking or, or fishing or DIY projects or anything like that, you know, and, and all of that is just, it, it's so critical for, for a lot of cases for folks to have something like that. And, yeah. you know, it's, it sounds odd. If you, if you look at my tone, it sounds odd uh, to be thankful for anything coming out of COVID. But I, I think that that's, that that's been a great thing is that, you know, so many folks seem to have, you know, in essence found themselves Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in, in the middle of, you know, such a horrendous time yeah. uh, that, uh, you know, and, and even me, it, uh, six months before the pandemic, I was working for a Michelin group company and just a high pace sales culture. And I, I just, I hit a point, I had gone through struggles myself with my mental health in my past there was even two points in my life where, you know, if, if you ever go through the process with anyone, one of the top questions is, uh, have you ever had a plan? Well, I, I had a plan twice. So 2000, summer 2019, I knew I was hitting a point where I was going to end up back there 
or if, if I didn't change my situation. Um, and that was going to have to be changing my job. And yeah. fortunately, TCIA came along and posted the fantastic position that I have now. Uh, so I, I hopped into it and I started actually, um, you and I first met at Expo in Pittsburgh 2019. Yeah. And my first week with TCIA was the week prior to that. Wow. So, and, and that was, that, that sort of started my comeback tour personally, because I even came back from that expo and the following week, I deleted my LinkedIn account. I deleted like pretty much every waiver in the outside world to reach me at that point, because I was so, I, I, I found uh, a new path that I knew was going to be good for me. And then, you know, three months, what was it? Three, four months later, we're going into, into quarantine. And I, I had concerns up front, but then, you know, just like so many other people, I was fortunate to be in a position where even though we were stuck working from home, we would go out and we'd sit in our driveway and everybody else was there. <laughs> the yeah. whole neighborhood was there. So yeah, it's strange and, times, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, I can really relate to all those folks that you see on Instagram and TikTok who, you know, they found something to get them through quarantine and it still has them going on to this day. Um, but some folks weren't affected that way. For some folks, it unfortunately has gone the opposite way. Well, and that's basically what you're talking about is adapting. And mm -hmm. um, we, we who learn to adapt, will be way better off. It's, it's not so much, um, and that is basically coping you know, strategies. What are your coping strategies when something happens? Or what are they? You know, are they strategies that are going to be harmful to you that are gonna further make you go down that downward spiral? Or are they strategies that are going to help you, that are going to mm -hmm. help develop you in this crisis and make you better and happier and still thrive? even though it, it's a crisis, you know, a lot of people just don't have the knowledge of the beneficial strategies to cope. They just don't know. Right. You know, we, we are kind of trained not only by our parents or caregivers, but also the environment in which we grow in certain cultures there, there's no such a thing, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm Hispanic. I'm from Ecuador originally in Latin America I mean, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure, um, Joe, like you said, you have Irish in you. So mm -hmm. kind of like the same thing. A lot of these things we're not taught as kids, like, hey, this is how you should cope when you have a stressful situation, or this is a better way of communicating when you're under high level of stress or feeling really intense emotions. You know, we, we don't, <laughs> we're not taught any of that. Yeah. I mean, not to get into a, a, a parenting war or anything, but right, yeah, there, right. there is a point to be made there that everyone goes through a different path, um, right. you know, as they, as they come into adulthood, you know, I, I like to think that everyone in this industry is an adult with few, with a few exceptions, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, you know, everybody goes through a, a different path uh, to get to where they are. But everybody's molded by, you know, their experiences in life. And right. everybody doesn't have the same experience. Everybody doesn't have, right. everybody doesn't have the same parents. 
Right. You know, and so especially if so, if you grew up in the the late 80s through the 90s, where everybody was told, do whatever you want to do, just go to college. You know, you could be whatever you want to be. That's a very vague message uh, that many of us were, were uh, guided to. And uh, there was no reinforcement. There, there was no, you know, real preparation for life and the struggles that we were that we were going to hit. Um, you know, and there's, there's a lot of folks, you know, um, I, myself, I was on my own in the world at 19. Uh, but there are some folks in the industry, uh, who, you know, even start off even younger than that. You know, we have, we have folks who, you know, may have dropped out of high school and were on their own at 16 and, you know, and had to work under the table for, for two years, um, to, to work for cash in the industry and, and things like that. Uh, people have to, people have had to find their own ways and right. there's, there's resources that can help you, uh, right. you, you know, who, if you, if you don't have a mentor who can, who can be there to, you know, see the signs in you and, and, and be able to tell you when you might need to talk to them or talk to somebody else, what resources are out there that can help you identify for yourself when you have to take action uh, before it's too late. Yeah. And when you say before it's too late, I'm assuming before something happens. Like, something, I mean, it could be, you know, it it, be I mean, I mean, we can, we can just say it, that, you know, the, the, the worst possible outcome results in a death of an individual. Um, but, you know, even before that, you know, some, some folks might lash out in a different way. It, it might be, you know, substance abuse, um, which yep. uh, affects a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, if, if, if that unfortunately becomes your path, I mean, that could lead to affecting others around you in negative right. ways as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the importance of being able to recognize all of this uh, in others as well as yourself is critical. So, yes. And again, coping mechanisms and, and strategies. So, mm-hmm. What I, what I would like to say is that there are, like you said, a lot of things that people can do that are very simple. And, you know, a lot of people think self-care is bubble baths and expensive, lavish, uh, you know, purchases and vacations, luxury vacations, spas, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, and I guess it could be, but it's really a lot more simple than that and a lot more practical than that. Um, it can be as simple as deciding that you're going to actually take better care of yourself physically and that you're going to make sure that you get enough hours of sleep so that you can be sharp and present at work the next day or just so that you can be better and feel better throughout the day and not feel like you're run down and having to take, you know, God knows what, monster drinks all day or bangs or whatever it is they drink. (laughs) Everyone is different or... 20 cups of coffee just so that you can feel like, you know, you're shaking. (laughs) But, you know, it could be as simple as that. It could be learning to ask for help. That's another way to begin to care for yourself and exercise self-care. It could be actually looking for a practitioner. It could be um, looking for a therapist. It could be confiding in a friend. If you are not there yet, because like you said, everyone's got their own path and 
everyone's at different places. We all come from different places. So whatever it is for you, you know, it might be one of those things, you know, for somebody else, it might be learning to say no, you yeah. know, to responsibilities and things for someone else. It might mean actually leaving a toxic relationship or a toxic workplace. Um, that's, that's a pretty big one. I mean, that happens all the time. And, um, you know, again, we have to think in terms of, we got to remember we're having a biological response. We're having a biological reaction to these adverse situations in this toxicity. When we are placed in a position where we're constantly in that kind of environment, that becomes chronic stress. And that is deadly if we let it go on for too long. I mean, literally. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot more practical than we think. And, um, I've shared some infographics to help people, including the wheel of stress and also the sphere of control, which is really helpful and helped me during the pandemic at the very beginning. It's funny because I've had that, you know, in my curriculum and then the pandemic happened and I was like, oh my God, you know, so the sphere of control helped me so much because it's so easy to just think of all of these things that are going wrong that we have no control over instead of focusing on what we do have control over. So that worksheet right there, which is available for everyone, allows you to see, okay, what do I have control over? And so then you actually write it down and you start thinking, and then you're able to see it and kind of focus where you do have control, which is us. We have the most control with us. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm glad you mentioned this fear and I'm glad you, you know, I, I, it's not, it's not the same thing about, you know, you know, having, having your list of what you can control. Um, but we have folks who use similar practices with, yeah. you know, with journaling, you know, that's the type of behavior, you know, for one thing, create, creating a routine that is not work-based um, to start your day, you know, that's a huge step right there. Um, but to do something where you're writing a list of things that you can control or things that you're thankful for, you know, that's yeah. getting yourself into a positive mindset to start the day. And, you know, can definitely help <laughs> for, for me. It's not writing less for me. It's, it's a little, I, it, for me, it's just, it's parenting. You know, that's, that's me starting my day and it's just, it's chaotic. Joe, you've been on the phone with me with my kids in the background before, you know what it, <laughs> you know how loud they are, but it's, it's, so funny every day, you know, brushing three sets of teeth and, you know, helping them pick out their, you know, I call them their clown costumes because their outfits just, you know, basically look like they're ready to jump into the ring. If you've ever been to a rodeo, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, how, that's how I start my day. And that's, you know, that's, that's something I would not uh, give up or, 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 or trade with anybody else for. But, you know, at some point they're going to move into, you know, my kids are going to move into a different point in their lives where I'm not going to have as big a role in the morning routine. So, you, you know, what's what's my, you know, looking at my long term, you know, what, what's my morning routine going to take a new shape? In? So it, it could be something different for everybody else. It can be right. writing a list. It could be it can right. be a different morning routine. You, you know, I have a neighbor down the street who 
like almond is a super coffee connoisseur, which you can actually tell <laughs> almond, by the way, I did take his advice and I went to uh, open road before oh, I, man. before I left and the coffee is fantastic. So everybody yes. uh, go to open, it was it open road coffee roasters road. in yes, Columbus. They're amazing. Um, yeah. it, that is some fantastic coffee. I actually, I, I had a coffee there and then I bought three three pounds to bring home and I, I handed uh, two off to some friends. So, um, <laughs> awesome. but, you know, you know, I, but then again, coffee is a substance. So be careful going down that road, but <laughs> you know, the, the routine, having, having a routine, having something in the morning uh, before work, I believe is just absolutely critical. Yeah. And I mean, everyone's different. Like you say, you know, that works really good for you. I mean, the sphere of control is just a tool, you know, it might, somebody might look at it and be like, well, I, I can't do that. You know, that's fine. Like the list is amazing for some people like what you do. That's awesome. You know, for somebody else, it might be just to sip their coffee in the morning alone for five minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we got to find whatever works for us and there's really no judgment you know, you, we are where we are and we just have to find what's going to work for us and what's going to do it to where we are actually taking care of ourselves. And I just wanted to really also give you like the, a better definition of self-care, I guess it would be okay. and basically like six or seven points. And it's basically prioritizing one's physical and mental health, adopting healthy lifestyle habits that can be maintained or sustainable for the long haul. Um, eating a diet that is not only good for your own body, because everybody is different, but also empowering, that you're not gonna feel shameful about, or that you're gonna feel like, I can't do this for the long term, you know, but something that's gonna work for you. Um, getting adequate amounts of rest and good quality sleep. I mean, that's huge. Um, and, you know, finding ways that are going to work for you to deal with the stress levels because we can't get away from stress. Uh, we can't get away from life and conflict is a part of life. There's gonna be conflict in life uh, regardless. So it's, it's good to learn ways that are, that are gonna work with us, that are gonna help us get through and navigate through those times. Absolutely. And I, I would absolutely say, you know, I, th I think sleep is something we're discussing for a lot of folks as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually just, I, I've really made adjustments, had to make adjustments to that to, uh, myself. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, I've, I've seen it pay off over the last couple of months. So, I, and I, I can say, you know, especially if you're a snorer, which is most people in the industry, I'm sure. <laughs> um, you know, but in, in any case, you know, it, it's sleep sleep is more than just an amount. It's, it, it's about quality as well. Right. You know, so it's, you, you have to find a way to make that work as well. Um, right. And it, it may be a sleep consultation. It might be talking to your primary care or, I mean, even friends do, or do some research. But uh, right. sleep is definitely sleep and, and hydration are, you know, it's, it's, it's a reason why so, why so many, you know, parents used to raise us and, and, and just tell us, you don't feel well, oh, you can drink water and, and get some sleep. <laughs> you know, um, what I was curious of, because sleep deprivation 
you know, is the leading cause, well, not leading cause, but it's a leading cause for actually it is for a lot of accidents, like just crashes, like the amount of car crashes that happen are mm. pretty great just for sleep, drowsiness, lack of sleep, you know, sleep deprivation. Um, I wonder if they've done any kind of studies in the tree care industry. Um, I don't know if they have or if they have done any kind of studies on the um, accidents that have happened, fatalities and non-fatalities, um, on whether there were any of them influenced by um, mental health or high stress levels or inadequate sleep or, um, you know, anything like that. I'd be really curious to find out. Uh, well, we, we do we do have some in-house resources. And uh, yeah. let's uh, I'm very curious about that myself, and I'm sure yeah. we can get an answer on that. Um, and, yeah, and um, you know, the framework is thing. very, yeah, it's it's very physical, and um, you know, you you have to be very present because you're operating chainsaws. You or if you're a climber, you're operating the chainsaw, and you're in the tree, and you have to make some really really critical decisions. You have to you have to be on it. So if you haven't slept very well that's probably not going to be a good thing. <laughs> if you've had a lot of stress and you have not had a way of releasing that stress or just dealing with it in a, in a helpful way, then you're probably not going to be focused in what you're doing so much because you're still kind of thinking about that or feeling those feelings that are probably not very good to feel, right? Um, yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm wondering I'm wondering about that, to be honest with you, but I, I, it's a high stress industry, high stress environment when you're doing tree work. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in the ground or if you're the climber, it's, it's very high stress. You're dealing with equipment that can be uh, very dangerous, chippers and, you know, trackos and all kinds of things, chainsaws. So um, it's really important that we are present and aware and that our, we're feeling good and that we have everything in order to kind of help ourselves do our job and be safe yeah absolutely and i kind of want to sum up this conversation because we could talk about people on an individual level everybody's probably lacking something in the self-care department but to really sum it up if you ignore self-care there are numerous consequences whether it's to your physical health your emotional health or in worst case scenarios you, you lose your life um you know this is one of the most dangerous jobs in the country and by not taking care of yourself, you're not using a mitigating factor to reduce risk. Uh, it's the same thing as making sure your job site is set up correctly. It's making sure that you are set up correctly as well to avoid any avoidable, avoidable accidents, I think is really how we need to sum it up for a lot of people in the industry. But I think we also need to talk about too, and we kind of been talking around it, is that there's a lot of stigma not just in our industry but in yeah. in the country as a whole about um let's just call it productivity right or the glorification of work or whatever you want to call it where if it's oh i worked 40 hours this week well you work 40 i work 60 oh you work 60 i work 80 it's a lot of people are really glorifying uh, themselves around how much they work or how much they do for work and stuff like that and you know in my just personal opinion, that's probably a bad idea. You know, we, it's then it turns into, well, if you're working 80 hours a week, where are you getting sleep? Are you seeing your friends and family? Are you taking care of yourself? And it's also too dependent on a company by company 
basis, right? So some companies are better at breaking that stigma than others. Um, one of our more recent articles in The Reporter talks about Noel Boyer and his crew and how I think he said it was like 30 minutes a day or something like that. They have him come in, they just kind of hang out and talk. And he calculated out the losses for his company. It's $40,000 a year, but it's more than worth it to you know, have them take care of themselves and get into that mindset and promote stuff like that. So I think that's a good start. But really, how do you start to break the stigma about defining yourself by your work and also how much you work? And we, we glorify not taking care of yourself a lot, right? And I think um, in this industry, especially, there's just, there's something about, right, how much you work, because this is, this is a hard job. This is hard for a lot of people. And I think it's a bonding experience for a lot of them. But I also think that sometimes some individuals can push it too far. And not out of malice, but out of passion. They really enjoy what they do. They enjoy the work that comes with the industry, but they also don't realize the toll it's taking on the other aspects of their life. So, um, you know, it's a really big question, but really, how do, how do we start? We have to start with us. You, you want to end the stigma that you start with you. You get really serious about taking care of yourself and saying, you know what, I am going to for the first time, really care about the way that I feel. Do I feel anxious today? Why am I anxious? What's going on? You know, is it work-related? Okay, let's, let's talk to this person or let's try to figure out a way, but it has to start with you. It, we can't try to change it out here and not change it here. Once we change it within ourselves, we walk differently. We behave differently. And that has a ripple effect on everybody else. And everyone else is going to be like, well, hey, so-and-so is acting different. They're, they're looking better. They're, you know, they're more productive. I mean, the reality is, and the numbers show what we currently know right now, is that when you do take care of yourself, you make better decisions, not only for yourself, but for others. And in an industry in which anything that we do will impact the others around us, right? The better we take care of ourselves, the better we'll be able to take care of others, the safer we will be together as a whole, if that makes sense. So the ripple effect is huge. We have to start with ourselves. No shame, you know, just, we have to get rid of all of that. And it's baby steps. You know, you can't get way over there from here if you're, if you're petrified of talking to people about your issues, for example. You can't all of a sudden decide, okay, I'm just gonna tell everybody. <laughs> baby steps maybe it's listening to this podcast you know before telling anyone about it because maybe you feel shame about sharing your struggle maybe you're drinking too much and you don't want to tell anyone that you know there's shame in there so maybe you start looking at one of the handouts on what should I drink what's better for me to drink and why learn a little bit more about alcohol you know things like that and baby steps keep moving forward maybe start reaching out to an addictions coach or an addictions um, specialist, you know, I mean, do what you can with what you have, but start with you. We have to start with us. Uh, a lot of folks really need their aha moment first, uh, you know, um, because that, that's really the critical point to get you to start thinking about, you know, what can I do for my self-care? You know, I've identified the issue now, now what do I do without that? I mean, you're just going to be stuck and, you know, and I've been there. I spent a lot of time there being stuck um, before I had my moment. And, you know, for me, it was, 
And most, most recently I heard uh, Amy Burkett actually say this, but I remember hearing it uh, several years ago. And I think, I think it might've been Simon Sinek who said it, but you know, if you, if you break down the weeks that you, you, you have basically, if, if you're sleeping eight hours a night, like you're supposed to, um, you only have in a seven day week, 112 hours left. You, if you're working a 40 hour week, then you have, you know, a good amount of time to yourself. But if you're, if you're out there and you're working yourself to 70 hours a week, you know, in, you know, even if it's great, if you're keeping that to, to, you know, just five straight days, um, you know, but then you're, you're still probably not getting the sleep that you need. Um, but, you know, like we see it all the time in the industry where folks are working six and seven days a week, then, you know, what is, is there a way that we can change that? Or is there a way that we can, you know, if we're working that much, you know, which I don't think we should be really, I feel very strongly about that. Um, but if, if we're going to keep doing that, what are, what are ways that we can make it better, make it more doable? There's so many things and everyone is different. Some people might need six hours or seven. Some people might need nine. So it's really up to the individual to figure out exactly what do they need. Right. Because I can, I can tell you, I spent years where I said, all I need is four hours. Oh you my know? gosh. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can, and I can tell you, I've, I've spent probably 10 years uh, living on the, on that concept. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can tell you, I just, I don't think that's true for anybody at this point, looking back. No, that's, that's pretty low. And I mean, there are seasons in your life in which you're not going to be able to sleep well, like when you have a newborn, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> you're not going to sleep well, for a while. That's one of those points where I was going four hours. Right. So you just adapt and your body is amazing. Your body will adapt. The thing is, you're building a deficit. And I want to talk a little bit about sleep. I, I put a sheet for everyone there, an infographic that's really helpful. But really quickly, every time we don't get enough sleep or not a good quality of sleep, we build a deficit. So if we for a whole two years did not sleep very well or as long, we have built a deficit for those two years. It adds up. It's very similar to stress load, to the stress load that we can handle. And so we need a long time to be able to catch up and our bodies will catch up, but it might take you another year to catch up. Now, you don't need uh, to actually sleep at night. You can actually take naps. Naps are great. You can meditate. Meditate is actually helpful because it can put you in an REM state where your brain is actually able to get that rest. So if you don't like to nap, you can meditate. I mean, there's other things you can do just lying down or going on a hike and then just lying down for a minute and just sitting and resting. Anything that can bring your body into homeostasis or stasis, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> that's me, that's English as a second language right there. Yeah, anything that you can do to bring your body into a state of relaxation, massages can do that if you can get them. If, you know, some people that's, that's not a thing that they can do, that's okay. So there's many different options. Now on the practical side, if you decided, you know what, I am going to really focus on sleep and I'm just gonna really do what I can to make it, what do I do? Okay, for starters, you can do something very simple, create a routine to go to sleep. Put an alarm on your phone 
and don't be on your phone an hour before the time that you are supposed to go to bed. Let's just say you want to get a good eight hours of sleep, right? And let's just say that um, you need to be in bed by 10. So you don't want to be on your phone at 930 <laughs> because your brain is now stimulated. Even reading, you know, depending on what you're reading, it can stimulate your brain. And the next thing you know, you're up for the next two hours. So you want to just kind of wind down, maybe listening to some white noise that helps some people. Some people, they put the TV on and they fall asleep or they unwind that way. They'll listen to a show that they like to listen to, that they've listened to a million times. They don't, they're not even watching the show, but they're just kind of there. And that's kind of their little routine, right? Sometimes it's putting your kids to bed. That's the routine. And then you know you're going to bed too. I mean, everyone's different. But a routine is very helpful, a nighttime routine. And it can be really anything, anything that works. Now, I have to talk about alcohol a little bit because alcohol is marketed as relax, unwind, have a great night's sleep. And that's not the case. Uh, it, it's nothing wrong with drinking. If you want to have a drink, that's fine. But don't do that right before bed because it will interrupt your sleep. You will wake up. Or if you don't, you will not have a quality, restful sleep, good quality, restful sleep. So if you are going to have a drink, you're with your friends, have that many hours before bedtime, maybe five o'clock if you want to do that. If you want to have a beer with your dinner, sure, that's fine. But make sure you have four to five hours before bed, not anywhere sooner, because your body is going to try to metabolize that and if it's gonna do that at night when you're trying to sleep, you're not gonna have a good restful sleep, if that makes sense. I'm trying to put it in the simplest terms as possible. And obviously, if you don't have to drink, don't. So, I mean, you don't need it to relax. You can relax without it. And if you do, just make sure that you have it way before your bedtime. So five hours, I would say six hours, it will be better. That's a very good point. Yeah. That's an excellent point. <laughs> Again, coping strategies, you know, some people use alcohol or, you know, marijuana or whatever to try to calm down or, you know, so, hey, whatever floats your boat, but do it in a way that's going to be helpful to you. And that's going to help you get that rest that you need. And one of the questions I want to ask, because we've been talking about this for, you know, a little under an hour now, why is it actually important to talk about things like this? You know, mm -hmm. I, I probably already know the answer. It's been one of those things that I've learned over time. But for people who don't, why is it important to talk about mental health issues, whether they're things like anxiety or stress um, and stuff that maybe isn't, uh, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's not like a disorder or anything, right? They're just normal day-to-day -day mental health issues that you can fall into. Why is it so important to have these open kind of conversations about these issues? They're happening all the time and they're so common and they're normal to a degree. So it's important because we don't talk about it and normalize it. So it becomes something that a lot of people are afraid or the opposite where people glorify it and are just like, oh, my anxiety just did this, ha ha ha, you know. But um, it's so important because it's not, it's really not funny when you're getting close to having an anxiety attack. It's not funny at all <laughs> or a panic attack 
or when you're having suicidal thoughts because you don't feel like what you're doing is is valuable or you don't feel like you are valued or you don't feel like you belong on this earth like you were a mistake that's not really that funny anymore you know it's important to talk about it sure you know we can crack jokes and you know whatever but the reality is that many people more than just a couple are experiencing these on an ongoing basis and most of them just don't know how to deal with them. They don't know that something as simple as a vitamin or mineral deficiency could be causing the anxiety or the depression to become greater than what the normal would be. You know, being sad because something bad happens is one thing, but being depressed is entirely another if there's a difference, right? Feeling a little nervous because we're doing the podcast is one thing, but having very close anxiety, like you're going to have an anxiety attack, that's, that's different. So that's something different. And people need to know that there are things that they can do. And for those uh, people that need more than just, you know, maybe magnesium or vitamin D or a good coping strategy, there are medications that can help. And there shouldn't be any shame for trying to get yourself better, whether that means addressing it through better sleep or better eating habits or addressing your vitamin and mineral deficiencies or and wanting medication if none of that works, you know, that there shouldn't be any shame in that, you know, it, it, but there is. And um, I find that for men, it's particularly difficult to come out and talk about these things openly and share. Um, that's just what I have seen specifically in the tree work industry. It's very hard. It's not, it's not easy. And when I do see it, I'm, I'm so glad when, when a man actually shares is like, man, I've been really anxious. I don't know what's going on. Or, you know, I just don't, I just don't feel like I'm valued. I don't, I don't think, I just don't feel my life is worth anything. You know, at least they're saying it. And when they, when it leaves their body, at least it's out there and someone's listening. And so it's better than keeping it all inside. So it's, it's important that we talk about this and we normalize it because it is very normal. You know, we're feeling all these things. We're emotional beings. And again, we're having biological responses to these emotions that we're having. So it's super important. Um, just because we're, we're on the hour and we have so much time, um, one question I like to end off with, and I normally usually leave it open, but this time I have a specific question is for somebody who is interested in reaching out, whether it's to a healthcare professional, a friend, a colleague, um, and kind of get one of those clear moments like Bob was talking about where everything kind of lines up. Is there like a template for a text they can send? Is there like a certain approach they should use? Just kind of have something written down. So when the stars align, um, they can actually go out and do it on one of the, the good days. Yeah, I actually shared two links and both of those can be very helpful in helping you find a provider that can help you. There are also coaches that can help. Now, coaches are not therapists. They just help with the more practical aspect of the daily living. Like, okay, letting go. How do you let go? Okay, well, practical life application of how to let go means this. Um, you know, like we talked about self-care, eating a little bit better, all of those things, you know, the practical application, what does that actually mean? Well, here's an infographic. Let's talk about the foods that you like and let's start there, you know, um, so that might be helpful. If not, just starting as small as maybe searching for a YouTube 
topic, you know, TED Talks are really wonderful. And we actually hold canopy classes like every other month. And we often bring up these topics because they're very important. And we find that pretty much 90% of the attendants are experiencing these things. And so we help them and we provide them with help and tools and things like that. And if all else, they can reach out to me. I'm not gonna turn anybody away. If they need some tips, if they need some resources, I'll be more than happy to help. <laughs>